Hello everyone, this is Kyle Galaz with Poor to Pro Car Sales Training Podcast. Become a sales titan. So excited to be here doing uh, another episode. Nothing brings me more joy than hearing your guys' feedback and hearing that the stuff that you're learning from the podcast is working on the lot. This is real world material on this podcast. Coming from a sales manager that's been doing it 20 years that just got done with a 12-hour shift today. Only manager on duty, working deals, closing deals. I mean, I, I'm so excited to come home from a, a hard day of work and be able to get on the mic, use this energy I have, and help you guys sell more cars. Your feedback feeds me. Your feedback is awesome. This episode is going to be pretty neat because it's a multi-purpose episode. I'm taking your guys' suggestions and things that are happening on the lot for you, and I'm going to help you get through some of them and help you sell more cars. I want to let you guys know that I started an Instagram called Pro underscore car sales training. I got 30 posts on it. You'll know. You'll recognize the symbol on it. Uh, Give it a follow. I'm trying to build that to reach more car sales people. I appreciate you guys listening in. So far, we're almost at 2,000 listens. Not bad for, what is that, eight episodes? So I'm, I'm excited. We've reached almost every state in the U.S. Now we're in Canada, Australia, Philippines, New Zealand, South Africa, Saudi Arabia, United Kingdom, Mexico, Ireland, Germany, Greece, Turkey, Singapore, Denmark, India, Lithuania, and United Arab, United Arab Emirates and Puerto Rico. Hopefully I pronounced those all right. It's pretty awesome. Now I say we, right? It's just me on the mic. But I'm I'm going along this ride with you guys. Don't think that oh Kyle's the the podcast guy. No, you guys are you guys are feeding me energy by giving me uh, f- good feedback and suggestions. So this is our podcast because I'm just like you, man. I'm trying to make it. I'm working hard and I'm I'm trying to help other people become successful. I feel like it's my duty because people have helped me along the way and I want to help you guys. I got to give a shout out on this episode for some of the feedback and suggestions. Coles Lucid, shout out to Coles Lucid, Q Ali Seattle. Like watching him on uh, Instagram. I follow him on Instagram and I watch his sales and some of his promo videos. Really cool. Daz come home. Hope you're doing good. I haven't heard from you in a little while, but he's uh, out of Michigan, Missouri. Dang it, I forgot what state he's from, but Daz come home. Vixen Lion, Nassif Motorsports, shout out to him. Tyler Moreno, Lodi Toyota, and Sony Sells Cars, shout out to them too. I, I'm calling these people out because first they're giving me good feedback, they're liking my post, but they gave me suggestions for this for this multi-purpose episode. So the title of this podcast, I'll have to figure out still, but... We're going to go over nine different things. Okay, so let's get right into it. One of the suggestions was how to qualify customers on the lot. Okay, so I got to make a make something very clear. Qualifying a customer and prejudging a customer are two different things. As a sale, car sales professional, we can never, ever prejudge a customer because people that have been at your dealership a long time or maybe this has happened to you, we've all sold the guy that came on the bike your dealership has success stories of a guy that came in a taxi, a guy that looked homeless that had a, a bag full of cash and an 800 credit score, 
right? So prejudging customers is a big, big no-no. It can kill your career. It can kill commissions. It can hurt the dealership, right? But in in the most important thing is it hurts you as a salesman because you're creating bad habits. So never prejudge. Qualifying customers can almost overlap prejudging a little bit, right? Because you're qualifying the customer to see if they can buy it. And, and by some of their answers, you can, may you may think, you can't buy this $40,000 Chevy half-ton or this $50,000 Toyota Sequoia. By some of the questions you ask, so you got to be careful on your qualifying questions of what you're asking. So we're going to go over over this as the first topic because it's very important, qualifying customers. So you get a customer on the lot, and what do you do, right? You can't use cookie cutter uh, question, uh, qualifying questions, okay? You can't, you, there's no cookie cutter way. I can't tell you, hey, use this formula and it's going to work on your customers because every customer has a different scenario. Every customer has a different timeline at the dealership. You got the old retired customer that's okay with spending four hours at the dealership, right? Then you got the business guy that he keeps looking at his watch and his phone's blowing up because he's got business to attend to. So qualifying customers is a is a thing that you have to use instincts and instincts come with experience so the more experience and the more time you're spending with customers on the lot the better you're going to get at this if you're sitting in your office hoping customers walk up to you want to buy a car you're not building that experience which we've talked about in the other podcasts like leveling up your character right you're a character in your own world you got to level up the only way you do that is by going out and battling so the way you get good at qualifying customers on the lot is to use instincts and get out in front of people Okay, now there's a fine line, like I said, between qualifying and prejudging. So the best thing you can do is ask a lot of questions. Okay, if you want to qualify your customer the best as po- best possible way is ask a lot of questions because the more questions you ask, you're building this, this customer file in your brain of what the guy can actually afford. Okay, and you're going to ask questions like this. Okay, you're not going to ask, let's do a, a one you'd ask and one you wouldn't. Okay, so here's the one you wouldn't do. What kind of payment can you afford? Okay, the guy just said he wants to look at some F-150s or some Chevy half-tons and the average price on a new one is in the 40s, okay? And the guy goes, oh yeah, about 400 bucks a month. And in your head, you're thinking not even at 84 months with a perfect credit score, you can have a $400 month payment. So you've introduced some negativity into your deal already and you're still on the lot. So you don't want to ask questions like, you're desking the deal. Do not desk the deal at the lot. Well, do you have any money down? Right? The the guy you haven't earned the uh, the right to ask that question yet because you're still on the lot. You haven't even driven in the car. Okay. So what you need to do is within your building rapport and needs assessment, finding out if the you know the the truck is going to be right for his towing needs or does he need a long bed or short bed. You're going to ask questions like this and you're going to find out if he can afford the truck by an indirect question, okay? And here's an indirect question, but it's kind of direct too. Is So what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a, a grocery bagger at, at uh, Safeway or Albertson's grocery store. And so in your head, you're thinking, okay, you guys make, you know, X amount of dollars. There's no way you can afford a $50,000 F-150 or Chevy half-ton or a Tundra, okay? Don't desk your deal. Okay, we'll let the banks decide what the guy can buy or not, right? But your job is to build a friend, build rapport, and ask these customers. So if a customer says, okay, oh, I'm a bagger at the grocery store, you're going to be like, oh, excellent, man. What a great job. They're union. 
I what a great job, good career. Um, are you going to be the only person going on this the the truck loan? Oh no, we're paying. I'm paying cash. Oh, perfect. Right. So now the job and income doesn't matter because you just flushed out a little bit of uh, some information without asking. Okay. Or he says, no, my wife's going to go on it too with me. Oh, perfect. What does she do for a living? Okay. So you're still like building a friend and, and getting some rapport built, but you're not asking what the guy can afford, right? You're finding out what they do for a living. So you're building a friend, building trust, but now you're, you're backdooring the information of if they could afford a $50,000 truck. And the guy's going to be like, oh, she's a correctional officer at the prison. Oh, really? Well, that's a crazy job. How long has she been doing that? Oh, she's on her 28th year. Okay, so what do we now know? The guy can afford the truck. Okay, he works at the grocery store. He probably makes two or three grand a month. She works as a correctional officer 28 years. She makes 10 grand or 12 grand a month. They can afford the F-150. So without asking him, what payment are you thinking about getting? Because he may not know what the payment is on a $50,000 truck. You've just figured out he can afford it and they probably have great credit. So qualifying customers don't ask questions like, what do you have down? Right? Because they're going to get defensive. You haven't earned the right to ask me that question yet. I just met you. How's your credit score? Mm, again, you haven't earned my, my right, the right to ask me that. What kind of payment can you afford? Well, they're going to always tell you the lowest number. So you have to find questions that can figure out these answers without without sounding like a typical typical car salesman that just wants to make a, a sale. Okay? One of them is, what do you do for a living? Okay? Here's another one. You thinking about trading in that truck? What year is that? Oh, it's an 01. Oh, excellent. Okay, so are you going to ask... Do you still owe money on that 01? Hopefully he doesn't, but maybe he does. We've ran into that, right? They owe, owe they owe seven grand on a on a 01 with 170,000 miles. So instead of asking, do you owe money on it or what's your payment? This is how you get the information. You think about trading in that O or, or your old F-150? Yeah, I'm thinking about trading in. Uh, it must be nice having the title in your top dresser drawer like my Toyota. Oh yeah, it's the best having the title. Right? So what do we just find out without asking? We just found out if it's paid off or not. Okay? Or the guy says, after that question, Oh, man, it must be great having the title in your top dresser, like my Toyota. Oh, no, I don't got it quite yet. Just got a few more payments. Oh, okay, no problem. Well, what's your payment on it? Can't be that much, is it? Ah, it's only a couple hundred bucks. Oh, perfect. Now you know it may, he only may, he only, may only owe five or six hundred bucks or the guy may say no nah, i made a mistake buying that two months ago i owe six grand right but you didn't have to ask what your payment is or or what do you owe on it you kind of just flushed out the information so qualifying customers you got to use your instincts and you have to uh, don't go the prejudge way and definitely don't go the desk your own deal on the car lot way what kind of payment are you trying to be at uh, 400 bucks a month oh, okay what kind of down payment right? Because they're going to give you all the answers that don't add up to what could buy that truck. So don't even ask them. Okay. So to answer some of the questions on qualifying customers, get creative, use instincts and find practice questions that don't directly ask. So the customer doesn't get offended or start shelling up, right? Like a turtle going into its shell. Okay. All right. Hopefully that helps. Next, uh, the next suggestion is when do you move to the next step or how do you know to move to the next step? Okay. So there's 11 steps to the sale 
And how do you know to move to the next step? That's a great question. So we're going to use the, let's assume that you're at the step of, you just did a beautiful walk around. Okay. And hopefully you guys practice a walk around without the customer. So that way, when you get in front of the customer, it's polished. Okay. But let's say you did this great walk around. How do you ask for the test drive without asking for the test drive? Because what's a customer going to say when you say, would you like to drive it? I'll let you answer that. Answer it in your head. Oh, no, I got an appointment. Oh, no, I'm short on time. Oh, I've already driven one like it, right? They're going to give you every reason to not test drive it because they know what that means. If I drive it, I'm going to probably buy it. Okay, so they're going to put up a defensive wall if you ask that question. Do you want to drive it? Silly questions get silly answers. Okay, so this is what I did. I'm going to use what I what worked almost 100% of the time. Okay, so when I would show an Alfa Romeo Julia all-wheel drive, okay, I would be doing this beautiful walk around about the lines of the car and the lights and the bi-xenon and the cornering lights and, you know, all the, the good things that sell a sports sedan. But then I would go into something like this. What's really neat about this uh, Julia Quadrifolio, it's got a near-perfect 50-50 weight balance front to back. So if, if you were to put this... Uh, car right in the center on a pole that car wouldn't fall forward or backwards it's near perfect 50 50 and what you'll see and i'll show you this particular road is there's a turn it's a 15 mile an hour turn um, but you could take it at 30 or 40 without the wheels screeching because there's a perfect balance front and back so some cars that are heavy at front when you go into a, a tight slow turn at a high speed the thing dives forward it feels like a tank up front right and it's real light in the back so your back kind of scoots around or a car that's back heavy it the you know it, the steering doesn't feel as tight but when you're driving this one and I'm curious to get your opinion on it because I love feedback on these these uh, quadrifolios is after you come out of that turn let me know what you think about it, and I want you to think about that 50-50 weight distribution front to back when you're going into the turn and see how it reacts differently from maybe another sports sedan you've driven Okay, and then we're going to go into some accelerating in the car because this this car has a classic exclusive carbon fiber drive shaft, right? So no other vehicles in this class have a carbon fiber drive shaft. What that means is that more power from the engine is actually making it to the rear wheels because it's not going through a heavy metal drive shaft. Carbon fiber drive shaft, you can pick up with a couple fingers. So all that horsepower and torque is actually making it to the rear wheels. And I'm curious to feel or to hear your feedback on that, too. And, and you're going to love this road. It's not even that far away. So, um, okay, so pause, right? So what's the guy thinking in his head when I'm doing the walk around? Because this is in the middle of my walk around. Think about what the guy's thinking. Oh, I can't wait to try this. I can't wait to give him my feedback. He actually cares about what I think about his car. Holy moly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all he can think about is the test drive in this turn I'm talking about. And there is a real turn that I took customers on, and I hit them at 50 miles an hour in a 15-mile-an-hour uh, turn, and the thing never screeched because that's how amazing that car is. Well, that's how I would talk to the customer about the vehicle. So the next step of the, the process, I didn't have to ask, right? That's where a lot of salespeople get hung up is the test drive. You want to drive it? You want to see how it drives? Right? Remember, silly questions get silly answers. So when to move to the next step, you shouldn't have a defining moment of when the next step is. Okay? 
if you've practiced your your steps of the sale and you've practiced your walk around, the customer will be drooling to drive your truck, your car, your sports car, your electric vehicle, right? I have a trick for every type of vehicle, SUVs, plug-in cars, hybrids, sports cars, Corvettes. I mean, Corvettes are an easy one, uh, trucks. So you got to practice things that will make the customer drool to drive your vehicle. Then you don't have to ask for it, right? A meet and greet, you don't have to worry about the next step because the, the next step of a meet and greet is you build rapport. I mean, it just goes right to it, right? But again, there you have to use instincts and you have to read body language from the customer, okay? If you're building a friend too long in the build rapport step, the customer's body language is going to start closing up. They're going to cross their arms. They're going to be doing things like that. So you need to always be moving the process forward. Let them tell you no, but you assume the sale and you're always moving forward, okay? So coming back from the test drive, a lot of people struggle with that too, right? There's this awkward moment of, okay, now do we go inside? Do we work the numbers? What do we do? Okay. Again, that's something that you need to do before the, um, before you get to the point where you need to ask, would you like to put it on paper? Again, don't ask that question. You need to already want them to come in. So the things that you'd say on a test drive or, or before the test drive is, after the drive, I want to show you what promotions we're running right now. And then you can decide, you know what? I really like this car. I like the way it drives and I really like the numbers. I'm going to buy it. Or I might show you these promotional numbers and you're like, let me think about it. Okay. When you tell a customer that you're, you're lowering their guard and you're setting them up to know what the next step is. You're telling them what the next step is after the test drive, right? I'm going to go over some of the promotional things we have and possibly applicable rebates, um, and I want you to meet my manager anyway, because he likes to meet the customers because he's not a sales guy anymore. He doesn't get to talk to customers. So you're going to come meet, uh, my manager, Kyle, he's really cool. And, um, he always likes meeting customers because to be honest, he hasn't talked to a customer in days, right? So you got to think of something to get them in before you get to the, 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 after the test drive. Okay. So always be thinking of the next step. You need to be one step ahead. All right. 18 minutes in, I got a, a seven more subjects. Okay. Common objections. This is another suggestion from one of, uh, one of our guys here. What about we are just looking, or this is the first place we stopped, or the other dealership has the same vehicle that's cheaper, or we're short on time, or we need to think about it, or we'll come back, right? Those are so common. There's some objections that you can't get over that are out of our control. One of them is, um, I got horrible credit and I can't get you approved. Okay. That's an objection. I can't get done. Right. But we've tried, we try to get you approved. I can't get you approved. Another objection is <clears throat> they're not really objection. They're more problems, but I'm 15 grand and flipped in my, my vehicle. Okay. There's some be some deals that you just can't get around the, the quote unquote objection. So don't beat yourself up on those, but we can get around, um, objections like we're just looking okay and the way you get around that is excellent excellent no not a problem because what they're saying is up front when they say we're just looking is they're giving their giving themselves a way out they're closing you on the fact that they're not buying okay so that way when they do say um hey we're gonna go we, we're just looking like we said we're just looking they've set you up for their sale of just looking so when people would tell me, hey, we're just looking, excellent, not a problem. I wouldn't expect you to buy until you found something that you looked found something that you liked or loved. 
you kind of accept accepted their objection, but also set them up to, if we find something that they love, they'll buy it, right? They're kind of agreeing to that, that theory. Uh, so if people say things that are objections, it's actually a good thing because the hardest customers are the ones that don't tell you the objection, right? They don't tell you that, that their credit's bad or, or they can only afford a 250 payment or they don't have any money down and you're trying to fish for this information, but they're not giving it. That's actually worse than them telling you their objection. So when you do get an objection, like this is the first place we stopped. Excellent. I'm glad you chose my dealership first. My name is Kyle Galaz. I'm so happy you came in. Anytime a customer comes into our showroom, it's a victory, right? The fact that we have a business and we're open and a customer shows up, awesome. So I thank you for giving us the uh, the first opportunity. Now, what I do after that is up to my sales skills, okay? They said that because it's their defensive way to get out of the dealership if things don't go as planned, right? They've kind of put in... Like, uh, I don't know what to call it, but that's what they're doing. It's just a defensive mechanism to leave the dealership if things don't go their way. But it's my job to thank them for coming in. Thank you for choosing that this is the first place you stopped and let that go right out the other year because I'm a salesman. I'm going to sell these people. Okay. And if I can't sell them, I'm not going to let them leave without talking to my manager. And if he can't sell them, guess what? We did everything we could in our power while the customer was here. It's up to them at some point to say yes or no. But at least you did put everything on the table, okay? Another common objection is the other dealership has the same vehicle, but it's cheaper. So here's what I've learned to say because I'm going to stop people in their tracks because it's a lie. That's a complete lie because if it was the same vehicle, then it would have the same VIN number. Okay, now I don't call them a liar. But in my head, I'm thinking, sorry, it's not the same vehicle. It's, it's not the same VIN. So what I've learned to tell customers is if it truly was the same vehicle, it had the same VIN number. Okay. So the vehicle is different in some way, shape, or form. It could be options. It could be miles. It could be color. It could be market values where that dealership's at. I'm not sure what the difference is and how their vehicle's a little bit cheaper. I can only represent my inventory, not theirs. So I'm going to do the very best I can to earn your business here with me with this vehicle that I do have in stock, okay? And when I would say that, it would it's like they forgot about the other vehicle, right? Because I ba I basically told them I'm not representing their their car. Right, that that's true. Okay? Uh but I'm going to do everything in my power to earn their business and that's when you have to kick into sales gear and earn their business, build rapport and use that reciprocity so they can't say no when it's time to, to do the close. We are short on time. Well, thanks for at least considering us with the time you do have. I'm sure your time is extremely valuable, as mine is. So let's see how much I can get accomplished while you're here. Okay? So now they're like, well, this guy's not trying to rush me into buying, but you kind of are without them knowing. Okay? Oh, we'll come back. I hear that a lot, and statistically... Most customers that say that, we never see them again. So I'm going to do everything I can while you're here to earn your business. Okay. If you call them out on it, because when they say we're going to come back, that's saying we're never coming back. They just lied to your face. So I learned to tell them, call them out. Well, statistically, people that say that never come back. So while I have you here, I'm going to do everything I can to earn your business. People don't like being the common guy. It's a reverse psychology when I say that, and they actually end up staying 
and spending more time. Okay, and we need to think about it. That's a common one, right? You missed something in the sale if they need to go home and think about it. But you're at the desk now and you got the numbers, so it's a little too late to backtrack to building a rapport, building a friend, doing a test drive, because something along that process was missed. That's why they need to think about it. I understand you need to think about it, and it's a big purchase, and I totally get it. I have to think about stuff too, right? I'm a human being just like you. I just happen to sell cars. Uh, but what along this process did I miss? Because I feel like when a customer tells me, hey, I need to think about it, that I've personally done something wrong in the sales process to not earn your business right now. And a lot of times the customer's like, no, 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 you didn't do anything wrong. We just, it was just our buying process. I go, I understand that, but my boss is going to ask me 10 million times, what did I do wrong? And I need to have an answer. Is there something on, on this sheet that I missed is it something in the in the test drive that I missed and you got to flush out the objection because there is something why they need to think about it okay so you got to flush that uh, objection out so there's a lot of common objections there's a way around all of them the thing that gave me the upper hand is my positivity towards every deal my smiling and my ability to kind of make light of each subject and make them laugh Everyone has a different way. Some people go head to head like a ram and some people are like me and they kind of, they're like lightning, right? They, or water, they just find a smooth way to get to their point. And, uh, but everyone's a little different. So you need to find something that works for you to get around these objections. Okay. We'll touch on this one real quick. Cause I got to keep going. We're at 25 minutes and that's rude customers. Okay. I tell the sales guys this right here. This is our house. This is our dealership. No one comes into our house and is rude to us. Okay? Our dealership is our house. We spend more time here than anywhere. If I invited a, a stranger over to my house and he was rude to me, I would launch him out of my house. Get out of my house. Okay? The dealership, now we have to be politically correct and we can't launch people out of the dealership. But what we can do is stand our ground. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe you can just take a look around and if you need help, I'll be standing right here, but you know, I'm not going to be talked to like that. A lot of times it, that's only if the customer is really being rude, you want to say that not if they're being short or close guarded or, you know, whatever, but if they're truly being rude to you, which I've had some suggestions and some comments on Reddit that these people are, were rude to the salesperson. How do you deal with that? You got to stand your ground in a politically correct way that goes along with your dealership's guidelines of, Hey, you can't cuss out a customer. You can't physically throw them out, but you're a human being with, with rights and no one comes into our dealership and is rude to us. So you got to stand your ground. And if someone is truly being rude, you can say, Hey, I'm going to let you look around. And, um, when you want to talk to me, like a, a professional would talk to a customer or, you know, whatever you got to say, I'll come out and help you. I am here to help you. And a lot of times that stops the customer in their tracks. I've had to ask customers to leave before in my office. I'm sorry, we're not making a deal. And at this point, I wouldn't sell you the car anyway. And man, that customer goes, well, what do you mean? And next thing you know, he's buying the car. Reverse psychology. So uh, you got to stand your ground within the dealership's guidelines, okay? All right, so Q Ali Seattle He's been doing the he's been in the car business five or six years. He's possibly up for a promotion. He had some good uh, some good questions. How to get referrals? 
from sold customers or even orphan owners. So an orphan owner is uh, Bill sold this guy a customer and Bill no longer works at the dealership. And this is an orphan owner. He doesn't have a salesman anymore. How does QALE Seattle sell an orphan owner or get the orphan owner back in? And how does QALE or you guys, anybody, uh, get uh, referrals from his sold customers? Okay. It's an easy and complicated process. So let's talk about orphan owners. Okay. This is how I would do it. I would call the customer and I'd say, thank you for doing business with us. It looks like you bought a vehicle a couple years ago in February. And I just want to say thank you. My name is Kyle Galaz. And your previous salesman, Mr. Dave, he actually retired. And I cannot leave customers out there that don't have uh, you know, someone in the dealership to help them. Whether it's with service, coming to get a coffee, or buying a car. Right? You want to say buying the car last. Because you don't want to just act like you're calling to get a car sale. That's not how an orphan owner works. You're calling because they need a connection at the dealership because they have made, they may have called Dave's number and Dave said, Oh, I retired, right? Didn't give him someone to talk to. I retired. He could care less about bill, but we care about bill. So, um, as a salesperson, you can go through these orphan owners and say, Hey, introduce yourself in a genuine way. Tell them where you're at and tell them why you're calling. Hey, Dave, your salesman that you bought the truck for a couple years ago has retired since then, and I can't leave a customer out there without a connection at the dealership. So my job is to be your new connection. My name is Kyle. Uh, If you need help with service appointments, or if you just want to get a cup of coffee and look at some new vehicles, or whether you're buying a new vehicle, um, I'm going to text you and send you my information. That way you got a connection in the business still. There's nothing better than having a connection in, in a business, right? So it's isn't it neat to say, oh, I got a guy in the in the real estate business. If you ever need his number, call him, right? Or I have a guy in the uh, electrician business. I have a guy that works at that that studio. He produces music, right? It's always cool to have somebody in a business. So you need to be that guy. So QALE, that's what you need to do. Call those orphan owners, not as a salesman, but as a connection and someone that can help truly help them with what they need help with. And guess what happens? They're going to call you for car deals. Okay, how to get referrals from sold customers. So this is a big mistake salesmen make. I'm going to tell you exactly what the common salesman does. They sell a car to, to Joanne. Joanne Smith bought a car from them. Joanne Smith hasn't heard from the customer in, or the salesman in six months. All of a sudden, Joanne Smith gets a call from from Mike, their sales guy. Oh, well, oh yeah, I remember you, Mike. Yeah. Oh, no, my truck's fine. Oh, you just want referrals, right? That's what they're thinking in their head. They may not say that. No, I don't know anybody in the car that needs a car right now because they know why you called, right? It was a cheesy call. You don't really care about how their vehicle's doing. All you're trying to get is referrals from a sold customer. That is the common mistake salesmen make. This is how you get referrals over and over and over from your sold customers. Is you stay in contact with them from the point they buy the car. You friend them on Facebook. You send them funny memes over text. You send them emails that, hey, on this article on this particular subject, the Mars... um, perseverance rover right you have to be 
part of their lives from the point they buy the car to to when you die or they die. Okay? If you truly want referrals, good referrals, you have to stay in contact with these people. Okay? So here's another example. I sold a, a Alfa Romeo to a really nice guy that lives in another state. But we have stayed in contact, um, him and his wife and me and my wife, we've stayed in contact since the day of the sale. And it, he's gone as far as to leaving good reviews, going on to forums about the Alfa Romeo cars and sending me business, right? So, but why is that? Why is this guy sending me referrals? It's because I didn't look at him as just a customer that I sold. I looked at him as like a partner in my business, right? If I stay in contact with this guy and truly have a friend over time, he's going to send me uh, referrals. I don't have to ask for referrals. What's really neat is the relationship is so good. And this is with a lot of customers. I could, I could give you a, a, a 10 page list of customers that I could text right now and say, Hey, I was thinking about you. Uh, hope everything's going great with your family. And he would say the same thing. Those are the people that give you referrals, the people that trust you, not, I called this customer. I haven't talked to her in two years and I, I'm asking for referrals. You're not going to get them. Okay. So the way you get referrals from sold customers, is you have to start the moment you sell them. Okay. Hope that makes sense. All right. Here's another one from Q Ali. How do you, uh, how to be excited over the phone? Okay. When you call a customer, how do you be excited to be excited about a phone call? You have to have some direction with it, right? So for instance, this podcast, would you agree that I sound excited and vibrant and genuine in the words I'm saying right now? I would agree too. Okay. It's because I have a mission of this podcast. Okay. There's a, there's a, an order to what I'm doing and I'm trying to relay you guys the most, the, the best information I possibly can with the skills that I have. So the same thing with a phone call, a phone call, if it's, uh, with a customer, like an internet lead, what is the point of the phone call? Is it to work numbers over the phone? Nope. Is it to sell a car over the email? Nope. The whole point of your call on an internet lead is to get them into the dealership. It's the appointment. So if you need to write down on a paper, uh, a map of a phone call, phone call, introduce myself, ask how their day is going, right? Have a timeline of what this conversation needs to end up at. The goal is the appointment. Then you have, you're not winging it. When you wing it, you kind of very move around. You don't know, really know what you're talking about and your voice changes and you have no direction, right? But if you have a goal and a direction of a phone call, then you can start putting the emphasis and the and being genuine into it. So when you make calls, the way you get excited is you stand up. I used to go outside because I was going to get loud and vibrant. Yeah, I would stand up and walk out of my office and go outside because I felt like walking around and standing up gave me that energy. I had a goal of my phone call. And I was truly trying to be genuine in not just making a sale, but helping that customer make his dream or her dream come true of buying a brand new car or a pre-owned car, right? We're excited about, oh, I'm so excited for you. You're looking at some new cars. Isn't it awesome? All the technology in these cars now, it's like you're driving a, a spaceship with wheels. I can't wait to show you some of them. When can you come in, right? I want to go talk to that salesman. 
the salesman that loves his job and is excited about product and knows that I haven't looked at a car in person in four years since I bought mine. That's how you get uh, excitement over the phone is have a game plan of your phone call and truly be genuine with these people. People can detect being genuine. Okay, moving on. Cold calls. This will be my longest podcast yet. I hope you guys are still with me. Cold calls. Cold calls are tough because you don't know who's on the other end. You don't know if you're interrupting something, right? It's a complete stranger. The only way I got good with with cold calls, and this is probably my weakest point, but I got pretty decent at it, was calling with the, uh, with the tone of already being the guy's friend. Okay? Mike, what's going on? I didn't tell him right away who I was. Hey, is this Mike? Yeah, this is Mike. What's going on? This is Kyle. Kyle? Yeah. I don't know, Kyle. No, no, no. This is Kyle at, at 123 Motors. How are you? Oh, what's going on, Kyle? Oh, just doing a little follow-up. I saw your name pop up in my computer. I'm like, has this? have I met this guy before? Your name looked familiar. I didn't know, but are you from around here? Yeah, I've been around here for a few years. Uh, maybe we've ran into each other or met at church. I'm not sure. But anyway, so uh, the reason for my call is because I don't want to leave you hanging, right? Your name popped up in my system. I don't even know how we got your number or name, but it, it's in my system. So I want to make sure that you're being taken care of at our dealership. Have Has anyone reached out to you? No, 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 no. Are you even looking for a vehicle? Well, we're kind of tossing it around. Well, excellent. Um, when do you have time to come in? I know not to buy a car. Maybe you'll just let me show you around, right? So... We're going to pause on that. Uh, when you're calling these cold calls, you got to be the friend tone and you can't be like the sales guy. Because when I first started cold calling, my sales manager handed me a phone book and said, get customers in with appointments. My success rate was like 1%. Okay. I even got so creative that I would call a number and ask for the wrong person. And then I would say, hey, is Mike there? Uh, I think you got the wrong number. Oh, shoot. Mike must have gave me one digit off or something. I'm not sure. Well, he was waiting for this promotion to come up on our F-150s, and here's the promotion. It's a crazy deal, and I don't have the guy's right phone number. Well, what's the promotion? <laughs> right? Isn't that ridiculous that I had to do that? Because no manager trained me. I had to find a way to get creative to, to, to do that. So that was a cold call technique I used when I was like 19 because no one, there was no podcast and they didn't even want to buy the Joe Verde tapes. Even then I could barely watch them. Uh, okay. So cold calls, you got to use the friend, the tone of a friend. Okay. All right. Customers that are closed off. That was another suggestion. You got to kill them with kindness and you got to find a way to get them to open up. Right. Look at your look at your customer as like like a clam, a shell, right? There's there's good in there. But it's our job, it's not his job. It's our job as a sales professional to find a way to crack this this shell and get in there and find the pearl, right? If we just give up, we we're not, we're not going to make a sale, but if we keep using our tools to crack this shell, and find that pearl, we're going to make a car deal. So if a customer comes in closed off and his arms are crossed, he is more insecure about this whole process than you are. He's nervous. He's guarded. He hasn't done this. He's rusty with negotiating. He's a bad negotiator. He knows he's dealing with the pro. So he's guarded. It's our job to re- 
to teach him and, and show him that we're just human beings that we happen to sell cars. I got a family, a wife, two kids, two dogs, and, and Bill's just like you, right? If you can get that across, he'll start opening up and realize that, man, this guy's a human. He dirt bikes, he camps, he hikes, he doesn't drive a Lamborghini, right? So customers that are closed off, it's our job to find a way. And the, the way you do that is by asking questions. The sweetest word a person can say to me is this is my own name, right? When you meet a person and you get their name, let's say his name's Forrest. I just met a guy named Forrest, so the name is fresh in my mind. I didn't forget his name. I made it stick by thinking about Forrest Gump, okay? But I called, I called him by his name many times in the process. It's the most sweetest. Hey, Forrest, come here. Check this out. You think he's not going to want to come and check it out or he's not going to open up to me because I'm using his name. It's the sweetest word on the planet is a person's name. Test it on somebody. Say their name. Say say two random names and then say their name and ask them which one's the best sounding. They're going to say their name. Okay, moving on. Uh, things that successful salesmen have done that I have seen over my 20 years and I've worked at uh, basically three dealer or yeah three dealerships. The first one was a little Ford store in Lodi called Gewiki Ford. Worked there for about a year and a half. That was the first place where they threw me a phone book. No training. It was pretty much a horrible experience. But I can appreciate the dealerships that I'm at now because of what I learned and didn't learn there. Then I worked at a Ford store in Bakersfield, California called Jim Burke Ford. Worked there for 12 years. Learned a lot. And now I currently work at Dave Smith CDA, Alfa Romeo Maserati, uh, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Okay. So I've got to see a lot of different salespeople. And I want to give a, a, a shout out to Rudy Galicia. He just passed away. Um, he, he was in the car business for 44 years. And I got to work alongside with him for, uh, for 12 years at the Ford store. But he was a killer salesman. And his trick... To being successful is he simply stayed at the same dealership. Rudy had no trick closes. Rudy didn't have a, a technique that worked that no other salesman could figure out. All Rudy did was help customers to the best of his ability and stayed at Jim Burke Ford for 44 years. And his repeat and referral business was astronomical. It was crazy. He didn't have to take ups anymore. And if he did... It was one or two a month to get his 15, 16 cars. The rest was simply staying at the dealership. So wherever you're at, build an empire in that dealership. Okay, Plant your feet in a dealership that you can look around and say, I could work here for 10, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, and plant yourself and be genuine with your customers, and they'll come back. So that was Rudy's, uh, Rudy's technique. Pray for his family. Rudy, rest in peace, my friend. Uh, another thing too that I've seen uh, successful people do, a gentleman by the name of Alex Lopez. Uh, first met him in the car business in 2007. Again, another guy that really didn't have any trick techniques, but he knew how to grind. The guy showed up to work and he worked his entire shift. We would eat lunch. He'd get right back to selling, taking ups, making phone calls, sending emails. The guy grinded all day and that was his success. His top year, I think, was 193 units for the year. Amazing salesman. All he did was grind, okay? 
Another thing that successful salesmen do is they're professional. People want to deal with a professional salesman. People want to refer their friends to someone that's professional. Oh, you got to go see this guy. He's awesome. And then they show up and you smell good, look good, right? You, everything's right about you. Like, oh, man, I'm glad you sent me to this guy. Okay? Um, another thing that successful salespeople do that I've seen is social media. They blow up social media every day. They post vehicles. They post videos about themselves. They check in at their dealership. They let the world know that they are at work and they're that and they're a car salesman, right? Everyone knows who they are, where they work. Every friend they've ever met knows who they are and where they work. Okay. And one of the 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 very best that we kind of covered on was follow up, following up with your customers, not after six months, all the time. Keep a nice black book with all your phone numbers and, and what you sold them. And text them. Text them once a month. Send them a funny picture. Send them news clips or have you seen this? And be a part of their lives because they will feel way too guilty to send you to anybody else or to buy a car from anybody else that you've been doing everything right for years with them. They will buy five, six, seven cars. They'll refer their kids. They'll refer their friends. So always do follow-up from the day you sell them. Uh, even if there's problems with their vehicle, that's your time to step up to the plate and show them that, hey, I, I wasn't just here for a sale. Do you need some help getting your car over to the dealership? I'll go pick it up if I have to. Those kind of things go a long way, and you end up being a killer salesman for it and getting better and better and better. So, again, this is the longest podcast I've ever done, 45 minutes. I hope you're still with me. Thank you guys for your suggestions. I hope I covered everything. It's really impossible to do every detail and intricacy of each suggestion in one podcast. I could literally talk for a year, but my computer might crash. So I'm going to button this up. Make sure to follow me on Instagram. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for your support and your suggestions, and we'll see you in the next podcast.